Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nyberg. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 9.45 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nyberg. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we read these words, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Now we're going to consider Cain and Abel this morning. I've entitled this message, The Two Religions. I asked Siri, if you don't know what Siri is, it's that thing on your phone that you ask it a question and it answers it through uh, whatever it does. And I asked Siri how many distinctive religions there were in the world. And this was the answer given, over 10,000 distinctive religions throughout this world. I then asked her how many denominations there were within Christianity. And she said 45 thousand denominations within what is known as Christianity, all of which claim to have some better grip on the truth. Did you know that in reality there are only two religions? The religion of works and the religion of grace. Let me repeat that. In reality, there are only two religions, the religion of works and the religion of grace. Now, in the religion of works, your salvation is in some way, be it ever so small, it's in some way dependent upon what you do. Your salvation is ultimately in your hands. You've got to check the boxes. Whatever it is you need to do for you to be saved, you need to do it. That is salvation by works. In the religion of grace, your salvation is completely dependent upon what God does for you. Your salvation is completely, 100% dependent upon what Christ does for you. Now, if any aspect of your salvation is dependent upon what you do, for instance, the beginning of your salvation, it's up to you to make a decision to follow Christ. 
It's up to you as an act of your will to accept him as your personal savior. And if you don't do that, you won't be saved. It's dependent upon your choice. My dear friends, that's salvation by works. That's salvation dependent upon you. Or if in the middle of your experience of salvation, you become more holy and more righteous by your works, by your Bible reading, by your prayer, by your self-denial, by your battle with sin, and you become more holy than your brother. That's works. That's a part of salvation by works. Or at the end of your salvation, you earn a higher reward in heaven because of your personal obedience here on earth. And you have a higher position in glory than your brother who didn't have quite as many good works as you. That's still making part of your salvation at least, partly dependent upon your works. That is salvation by works. That is the religion of Cain. In the religion of grace, your salvation is 100% dependent upon what Christ does for you. Now, Abel's religion predicated on Christ, grace. Cain's religion is predicated on works, what he did, as we're going to see in this passage of Scripture. Now, not only are there only two religions, there are only two types of men. What the Scripture calls the righteous and the wicked. That is how God views you and me in one of these two lights. Before God, I am either a righteous man or I am a wicked man. And listen to this statement very carefully because this is true. All of the righteous, without exception, believe themselves to be wicked And all of the wicked, without exception, believe themselves to be righteous or at least have the potential to be righteous. If they do whatever it is, they think they need to do to become righteous. Now, all of the members of the religion of Abel believe grace. All of the members of the religion of Cain believe works. All of the members of the religion of Abel are the righteous. All the members of the religion of Cain are the wicked. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we read, by faith, Abel. And we're going to get into the account in Genesis chapter 4 in just a moment. It's the first account of uh, what took place after the fall of our first parents in the garden. It's the first story, the story of Cain and Abel. But here the writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament says with regard to Abel, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. The first event recorded after the fall, by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He understood what he was doing. He believed the gospel. He did this by faith. Now, somebody may be thinking, what do you mean by the first event after the fall? What are you talking about when you talk about the fall? 
Well, this is a reference to the fall of our first parents in the Garden of Eden. You may remember that God said to them or to Adam, in the day you eat thereof, speaking of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And we know from Genesis chapter 3 that he did eat of that fruit and he did die. Now, he didn't die physically, but he died spiritually. He became dead, spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. Now, somebody may think, what does that have to do with me? Well, it has a whole lot to do with you and I. Because the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, by one man, sin entered the world, talking about that transgression of Adam, and death by sin, spiritual death, one day physical death, and then eternal death, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, me and you, in that all sinned. You see, when Adam ate the fruit, you and I were in him and we ate the fruit. When he sinned, we sinned. Somebody says, how could that be? Because you were in him. But I didn't do it. Yes, you did. When Adam did, I did. That's what the scripture says. When uh, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. They sinned. Uh, um, That has a great effect on me. Now, this is the first story after that took place. And what Abel did was an act of faith. And we, he knew what he was doing. And he knew why he was doing it. He didn't think the blood of that lamb that he was bringing would actually put away sin. He knew it was the blood of, it represented the blood of the one who was to come. The Lord Jesus Christ. He knew it was only through the blood of Christ he could approach God. He did this by faith. And Abel offered unto God what the scripture says is a more excellent sacrifice. He knew it was superior to Cain's because Abel knew this sacrifice pointed to the sacrifice of Christ. Now in Abel offering this sacrifice, there were two things he was acknowledging. Number one, he was acknowledging God's holiness. God is holy. He cannot accept anything but that which is perfect. And the only way I can be perfect is through the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't come on my own. If he would have tried coming in his own works, he would have demonstrated by that. He didn't really believe God was holy. He didn't have any real respect for the character and the person of God. But when he came with this blood sacrifice, which pictured the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, I recognize that God is holy. Now, the second thing he was recognizing in bringing this blood sacrifice was his own sinfulness. I dare not approach God on the basis of what I do, only on the basis of what the Lord Jesus Christ would do. He was acknowledging his own sinfulness. Now, by this sacrifice, the scripture says, he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now, what an amazing statement. By bringing that sacrifice, he's saying, I'm sinful. 
I'm too sinful to come into God's presence on my own. I must have my sins paid for by the blood of the lamb. And yet the scripture says he obtained witness. And this was God's witness of him. God's testimony with regard to him. He obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. Now, what made him righteous? The gift. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Um, this is a glorious scripture. For he, God the Father, hath made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin. Now don't miss that. He made him to be sin. My sin became his sin. God removed my sin from me and placed it in him. In his own body, the scripture says, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. For he hath made him who, to be sin for us who knew no sin. He never sinned in himself. He's the spotless, innocent lamb of God that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, the righteousness that Jesus Christ worked out while he worked, walked on this earth is nothing less than the righteousness of God, the law keeping of God. And it is given to every believer. Their sin was given to him. His righteousness was given to them. By that offering, the sacrifice, he was saying, I'm so sinful, I could never satisfy God. Only the death of the one this sacrifice points to could. And God said, he's righteous. Can a sinner really be righteous? Yes, he can. This is God's testimony. It's not a pretend righteousness. It's not God saying I'm righteous when in reality I'm not. Every believer is the absolute righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to them by God. And understand this about imputation. God's not saying, well, he's wicked and I'm going to impute righteousness to him. And all of a sudden he's righteous. It, 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 that's not really the meaning of imputation. If I don't have any money in the bank and I say, well, I'm going to impute $1,000 into my checking account. Does that put $1,000 in my checking account? No. The only way, if I, if I impute or reckon $1,000 is in my checking account is because $1,000 is in my checking account. If God imputes righteousness to a believer, it's because he is the righteousness of God in Christ. If God has imputed righteousness to me, that means I'm in a state of having never sinned, just like Christ. Now that is the heritage of every single believer without exception. They're the very righteousness of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the writer goes on to say, and he being dead yet speaketh. Now, Abel was murdered by his brother, but he being dead yet speaketh. Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 4 and read about this account. Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. If you get a Bible and follow along, it would be helpful. 
And Adam knew Eve, his wife. This is the first event that took place after the fall, after they were expelled from the garden. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Now, she heard God's promise in the garden, the seed of woman shall bruise the serpent's head. And she thought, this is the seed. This is who is going to come and bruise the serpent's head. I think that she thought she had the Messiah. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother, Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now here are these two boys that represent the two religions. One was a shepherd, a keeper of the sheep. The other was a farmer. And he worked upon that which God had already cursed. Remember when God said, Cursed be the ground for thy sake? He was working from a sphere that God had already cursed. Verse 3, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto God. Now, I don't have any doubt that Adam had taught these boys that the only way of approach was the blood of the Lamb. Do you remember how after the fall he watched God slay a lamb and took the skins and covered them? That was the first death. How poignant that must have appeared to them when they saw the blood of that innocent victim shed so they could be covered, picturing the coming one who would shed his blood and cover his people with his righteousness. And he taught these boys that the only way of approach to God was the blood of the lamb. But Cain saw no need for this. As long as I'm sincere, what difference does it uh, make what offering I bring? I'm going to bring my best. I'm going to bring the fruit of the ground. And I'm sure that the fruit of the ground that he brought before God was quite impressive. He was impressed with it. He thought God would be impressed with it too. Now what Cain was doing when he brought the fruit of the ground, he was demonstrating he had no respect for God. He didn't do what God said to do. He had no fear of God. As a matter of fact, all he demonstrated was an utter lack of respect for God. And he also demonstrated a very high opinion of himself. God could accept this. I would. Surely God would. He had no regard for what God commanded to be brought, the blood of the Lamb. As long as I'm sincere, he thought, what difference does it make? My fruit will do. Verse 4, and Abel. Now Cain brought his works. He brought his best. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. He brought a slain lamb. And the scripture says, the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and unto his offering, he had no respect. 
That is a solemn thing to think about. What Abel did, he did intelligently. It was an act of faith. He was saying, by bringing this sacrifice, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus, not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is the way Abel approached God. And the Lord had respect to Abel and his offering. You see, the person cannot be separated from the offering they bring. Respect. Do you know mutual respect is the foundation of a good relationship? In a marriage, if you respect one another, that will be a successful marriage. Uh, the respect that a children has toward their parents, the parents have toward their children in the proper sense. Uh, the respect, if, if an employee is respected by, her by their employer, they'll, they'll do a good job for them. And it's very important that they respect the authority that's over them. Um, respect is such an important aspect of a good relationship, and really there's nothing more ugly than a disrespectful person. And one of the most difficult things to deal with is to deal with someone who shows you absolutely no respect. Well, that was Cain. Cain had no respect for God, and Cain had no respect for his brother. That's the religion of Cain. But the scripture says God had respect to Abel and to his offering. God gazed upon Abel and his offering with approval and respect. And this is speaking of God's satisfaction with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ makes God respect an individual and they are worthy of of the respect of God. That's how powerful the blood of Christ is. It makes me holy and unblameable and unreprovable in God's sight. Now the sacrifice you bring says everything about what you think about God and yourself and His Son. The person cannot be separated from the sacrifice and God had no respect for Cain's sacrifice. Cain cannot be separated from his offering. It tells what he believed about God and about himself. He had no respect for God and God had no respect for him. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And if you come into God's presence in your own works, 
you're going to find he has absolutely no respect for you. And if you come in your works, your doings, you prove by that you really have no respect for God, no fear of God, no reverence of his person. Well, Cain was very wroth over this. Scripture says, and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. He was angry. This is not fair. This is not right. I brought my best and God rejects it. His countenance fell. He didn't agree with Abel's way of approach. He thought mine's just as good. This is not fair. Verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If you bring the same sacrifice your brother Abel brought, you'll be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. The first time sin is mentioned in the scripture is with reference to bringing the wrong sacrifice. The first time sin is mentioned in the scripture is with reference to man thinking he can be saved by his works, that God can accept what he does. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him if you bring the right sacrifice. So then we read in verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and I know what they were talking about. They were talking about the sacrifice. I can uh, almost... Uh, when it says talk, that's not talking about an amicable conversation. There was heat and anger in this conversation. I can hear Cain now. This is not fair. It's not right for God to reject my offering and to accept yours and for God to have no respect for my offering and to have respect for yours. And I can hear Abel say, Cain, we've been taught all of our life that God is holy and we know we're sinful, and the only way we can come into his presence is through the blood sacrifice. And I can hear Cain then say, you think your way's the only way. You self-righteous jerk. You're showing no respect whatsoever to my religion. Abel replies, this is God's way. This is not my way. This is God's way. God's holy. And you and I can't come into his presence on our own. We must come only through the coming lamb. And by now, Cain is furious. He says, blood, I'll show you blood. And he beats his brother to death, kills him, and his blood is soaked up by the ground. And he goes his way. Thus, he becomes, Abel becomes the first martyr. And the martyr, and the issue in this martyrdom was over the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure Cain wasn't real worried about it. Um, there were no police then. There was no jail to go to. Uh, he just thought, well, I'll, I'll move on. But the scripture says in Abraham, when God confronted him about it, he said, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And then the writer to the Hebrews speaks of the blood that speaks better things, the blood of Christ that speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood cried vengeance. The blood of Christ cries, save him, pardon him, justify him, cleanse him. Oh, the blood of Christ speaks better things than that of Abel. 
Which religion are you in? The religion of works or the religion of grace? And we have this message on DVD and CD. If you call the church right or look on the church website, you can get a copy. This is Todd Niper praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.